Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. So, um... Most of you guys know that, that most of the second half of the Bible was written by a, name, a man named Paul. And Paul, he was often writing these letters uh, to, to help people think through problems they were having. Um, he started these churches. The, churches the, church, the idea of the church was very, very fresh and very, very new. Um, and Paul was basically just, just trying to teach them what it meant to be a church. And it was, it was difficult. Like when we, sometimes Christians, when we look back at what the church was like in that first century, we were like, oh, it was so awesome and it was wonderful. It was not that. It was, you know, it was, it was a slog. It was difficult. It was challenging. Um, and Paul was helping them work through that. And everybody hadn't figured out what it meant to be a church and how they should live. So I say all that to say today... Our church has some specific things to work through. And I think it's an opportunity for us to all learn how to love, love one another, how to interact with each other as Jesus followers. So again, if, and again, if, you're, if you're new to our church or you're just logging on for the first time, you, know, you, you can be patient with us as we work through some things together. So if you participated in last week's service, uh, whether you're online or you're here in person, um, you know that we began by praying for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, and I, I understand several of you were, were uncomfortable with my words and prayer on Sunday. Specifically, some of you felt that my prayer communicated um, an endorsement of Biden and Harris by our church. So let me apologize. Let me apologize um, and say just... Let me apologize for the miscommunication on my part. The leadership of our church does not endorse political candidates um, or parties. Uh, we do pray. We do pray for our country and our leaders, but you know, we, we, don't, we don't endorse them. Um, the, the members of our church family are super diverse politically. Uh, and, and maybe you already know that. That's a part of who we are. That's part of who we are. But Christ is all of who we are. Christ is all and in all. He is, he is everything. And the, the leadership of our church wants to communicate that with our lives. We want that to, to be what, what, what we're all about. So to, to those who understood my prayer as an endorsement, I would, I would like to uh, humbly ask for your forgiveness. Ah. Uh, and say this, we must be a family. We must be a family. So those of us who voted for, for Biden, those of us who voted for Trump, those of us who voted for neither, we must be a family. We must be a family. Now, um, <clears throat> let me ask this. As you're as your pastor, if you consider me, maybe you consider me your pastor. Would you allow me, would you allow me to say a few things, even if you're upset with me? <laughs> Jesus instructs us with this. He says this. 
love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Some of us, you know, maybe some of you, some of you would think that Joe Biden, think of him as a, as a kind of enemy. Jesus uses this extreme language to, to do a couple things. He's saying, he's saying friends or enemies, everybody in between, love them and pray for them. So our instructions are, are to pray, f- pray for, to love Joe Biden. And, and I, I think most of us are okay with that. Most of us are, you know, you would say that, yeah, I'm okay with that. As long as it's kind of like a, like a, a grudging love, like a, yeah, I love you, but I don't really like you. And, and as long as you make that clear, then, you, then you're okay with that. I'll love you, but you need to know just how evil you are, bad you are. So Jesus go on, goes on to say this, and I think this is super interesting. He says, if you love those who love you, well, what reward will you have? What reward would you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? So this is super relevant for our conversation right now and for where we're at in our lives right now. This is super irrelevant. Um, if, if we apply it to us, I, I think it, it, might say, it might say something like, if you only love those you agree with politically, then, then what reward will you get? Aren't, aren't tax collectors doing that? And so Jesus uses, Jesus uses the example of a tax collector because his audience, when he said that out loud, they all agreed that tax collectors were evil. So Jesus is saying, that guy that you think is evil, you're no better than him if you just love and pray for people you already like and you already agree with. Later in Jesus' ministry, a historian named Luke writes down an interaction that Jesus has with a tax collector. And it's super interesting. Um, in a story that we recently looked at together in one of my messages, and just, just, a, just a few weeks ago, Jesus enters a city called Jericho. And when he walks, into there, walks in there, there's this gigantic crowd all around him. And as he's walking in, a chief, a chief tax collector named Zacchaeus is in that city. He's, he's seeing Jesus come in and he wants, to, he wants to talk with him or he wants to see him or he wants to, to, he's interested in who Jesus is. But of course, Jesus is surrounded by all these people. We don't associate, we don't associate with him. We don't like him. We don't, we don't, we don't like Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector and he better stay away from us. He's evil. And so when Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus, this is what happens. When Jesus came by, he looked up at, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, Come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of an evil, notorious sinner. They grumbled. Jesus was so extravagant with his love of a known sinner, it made people angry and upset. Jesus was so extravagant in his love that it made people angry and upset. And when people on earth were, were people on earth 
were displeased with why, by Jesus' comfort around evil people and notorious sinners. And people thought that Jesus would go too far and get too cozy with them. And people often, often thought, they often thought this, they often thought that Jesus' comfort with sinners was his approval of their behavior or everything they thought or everything they did. That's relevant for us, right? That's relevant for us right now. So in addition to those two examples from Jesus, the Bible asks us to pray for our leaders. So when I, when I prayed for Biden and Harris last week, um, that's all I was intending to do. Love them, pray for them. And I apologize for making us, making some of you upset. Uh, I need to say this, I need to say this for all of us. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on anyone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying all that. And it's, it's really for all of us because none of us, you know, lots, most of us aren't very good at this. If I make you upset, Certainly, if I make you upset to the point it's going to affect our relationship and you can't let it go. Or if I make you upset to the point where you're going to end our relationship. The Lord requires you to come and talk to me face to face. And I know that's hard and I know that's scary, but try hard. I, I try super hard to be approachable. I try, I, I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> my, my kids say that to their friends, sometimes I'm, I'm intimidating. So apparently I can be intimidating. I promise you, I promise you. Maybe, maybe you can put this on your computer so you can bring it up later if I, if I fail at this. I promise you. To love you, I promise to love you, even if we disagree about something. Even if you have to bring up something that, to me that I don't want to hear. Even if you need to talk to me about something that I've done to hurt you. I promise to own whatever I've done wrong. And I promise to make it right if I need to. We just need to be able to talk. We need to, we need to be able to have those conversations. We need to be able to, to sit down in front of each other when I do something to offend you so that we can be one. To be completely transparent with you, I'm gonna let you in on a secret. <clears throat> and I, I, to be honest, I, I, I went back and forth whether or not I should share this, but I feel like it's super relevant. I feel like it's super relevant. <clears throat> To be completely transparent with you, I didn't even vote for Biden. I didn't even vote for him. Isn't that crazy? And couldn't, we could get to that or we could have that conversation if we could just be sitting down in the same room together. 
And obviously, I don't share that with you to try to get you to vote for who I vote for. I don't. I share it to say this. When we have an opportunity, we, when we have the opportunity to talk, we have the opportunity to understand one another in ways that are impossible if we don't take the risk or we don't take the chance to sit down together in the same room to share our perspective, to clear up miscommunication, to be united as one, to be united as one. Ironically, and this, obviously this is no coincidence, ironically, this tension has come up while we're in a series that is all about being able to disagree about things that are precious to us and still be able to maintain a relationship, still be able to be friends and past friends to, to, to be the church that Jesus Christ imagined. That is, that is not a coincidence. Um, throughout the summer, I asked, I asked us to remember that Arbor Bridge is not an event. It's not a club. It's a family that Jesus Christ gave his blood for. So in a family, sometimes you disagree. Did you, have you ever got, have you guys ever been to a family event or are you talking with one of your family members and you disagreed about something? And at the end of that event or at the end of that conversation, were you still family? I might uh, hurt your feelings or you might disagree with something that I've done or said, but that doesn't mean we're not family anymore. So I use these verses to remind us of this idea. Listen to this. It says, always, 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 always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And make every effort Keep yourselves united in the spirit, bonding, binding yourselves together with peace. So in another verse, uh, another verse that Jesus, Jesus uses the same word for binding that he uses here. And when he's talking about it, he, he's talking about the idea. He basically, he basically says this. If you love me, bind yourself to my commandments. If you love me, bind yourself to my commandments. And what he's basically saying, he's basically, and you take those two ideas together, he's saying the same way that you bind yourself to my commandments or you bind, my, you bind yourself to me by doing what I ask you to do, I want you to bind yourselves to each other in that same way. The same way that you can't walk away from my commandments and be like, I'm done with that stuff. You can't walk away from one another. You cannot. He's in, that, is, that is what he's inviting us into. That commitment to each other, my unwillingness to run away when things are difficult between you and I, that is what will set us apart. We won't be some kind of ordinary family. We will be his family, his, his church, his church. So if we follow Jesus, we are bound together. So we work through differences. We have hard conversations sometimes. And here's a, here's a question. Here's a question that, that some of you guys are probably thinking and you've articulated out Here's the question. Why have these kinds of conversations? Why have them? They always seem to cause trouble. They always seem to make people mad. So why have them? Why bother having these kinds of conversations? Here's why. Here's why. I, I talk with people like this all the time, and certainly you know, you know people like this too. Atmospheres where you can't ask questions, 
where you can't express differing opinions, where, where you have to hide what you think, uh, keep people away from Christ. I, I, I was just, just last month, I was talking to this young man, grew up in a family where he could not express questions. Questions would be beaten down. He, and when he's at his church, he couldn't bring up differences of opinion. And so now where he's at now as a 20 year, 20 some year old, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not sure I want to be with Jesus. That is why. That is why. We must be able to have conversations about things that are relevant to people in their lives. It's suffocating. I don't want to go any place where people can't, or I have to fake it, and, and people can't stand to hear what my opinion is without saying, I can't be your friend anymore. We can't have a relationship. It, it doesn't lead to growth in Christ. And in many cases, it leads to people walking away from Jesus. That is why we have to get better at these kind of conversations. And let me say this out loud. Let me say this, you know, because most of us are scared of them. Talking about these things. Public, you know, dis, discourse about these kinds of things is like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And if you don't do it at all, then it atrophies and you. So you have to go and you have to try and you have to be willing to mess up because anything that we do, anything you start doing, you, you've never done before, you mess up at. But we, we, we lean in because of what's at stake. We lean in because of what's at stake. Last week, I talked about how Jesus gave us an example of what it looks like to create an atmosphere of acceptance. And I'd love to go back over those things again. Um, but because of time, uh, we won't be able to do that. And if you've missed a part of my message, um, I'd love for you to go back, go to our website under the, the media section. You can watch it there. Or you can listen to it there. I'm watching on YouTube. Listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Podcasts. Um, <clears throat> it's important for us. It's, it's where, where the Lord needs to take us. Today, I want to I want to I want to share some specific things to do and having these conversations that I, that I'm I'm still practicing. I need help at um, uh, just around sensitive topics for when um, when we're having conversations with somebody we disagree with, or maybe you, we have to we have to share. But let me just say this one thing from last week, the the, the beginning point: commit to the relationship. The first thing I said is commit to the relationship. Today, let me go over these specific things. First, uh, gentleness. Gentleness should, should define our conversations. Um, and, and obviously, maybe that's a no-brainer. That makes it you know, super challenging to play out. Gentleness, gentleness should define our conversations. And you think about the conversations you have with people that you disagree with. Does gentleness define it? Listen to this verse. Um, a gentle answer makes anger disappear but a rough answer makes it grow. A gentle answer makes anger disappear. So um, I was listening to a podcast and this guy named Dave Wilson from, uh, uh, he's a pastor of a church in Troy um, called Kensington Church. He was talking about um, this interaction that he had. So he's on this single lane. He turns onto the single lane highway, um, a single lane uh, you know, street, and he cuts off somebody when he does it. 
totally his fault, totally his fault. He knows it. Um, but the guy he cuts off lays into his horn and, you know, in his rear view mirror, Dave can see this guy is losing it. Um, he's back there flipping him off and, you know, physically you, you can see that he's very, very angry. And, you know, this goes on, this goes on for a while. The horn honky goes on for a while. Um, it, so they come, they come to this place on the street where the, the one lane street has become a two lane street. And Dave, he's in his car and he's in a long line at the stoplight. So the stoplight there. So the guys behind him, guess what he does? He comes up next to him, right beside him. And he continues to let Dave know, you made an awful mistake. And he's just going crazy. And Dave, you know, he's trying to keep, just keep his eyes ahead, just, just looking straight ahead. But out of the corner of his eye, obviously, he can see this guy over here just. After that goes on for a few minutes, Dave's like, why won't this light turn? Uh, he turns to this guy and he mouths to him, I'm sorry, my bad. And what happens next is incredible. The guy says, the guy does this. And then drives on. A gentle answer makes anger disappear. And like, if I showed you this Bible verse and I didn't just share, share with you that story, you'd be like, I don't know if that's true. A gentle answer makes anger disappear, but a rough answer explodes it, explodes it. We must do this. For one another. When I'm having a bad day and I'm acting terribly towards you, your gentle response can save me, can save us. But if you meet me in my bad behavior, maybe we should memorize this. Maybe we should memorize this and leverage it for our conversations. Number two, be hard to offend. Be hard to offend. Be hard to offend. Uh, are you easily offended? So for us to live together as a family, we cannot be so quick to cancel, quit, and cut each other off or, or for, for, for anything, over everything. Um, and this, over the years, being a part of a church and helping to lead a church, this is one of the things that's most incredible to me uh, that happens, it hap I mean, it's, it's regular. It happens over, over and over again. People that in my mind I imagine as brothers and sisters, people that I love, when I say something or when I make a mistake, the Bible teaches that we must love, in our, one of our favorite chapters, 1 Corinthians 13, we must love one another and love is not overly sensitive or easily angered or easy to offend. So let me ask you, um, what topics are you easily angered over? You need, you need to know. You need to know so you can be ready. You need to ask why 
Are, there, are they things? Is it something that you need to heal over? Or you need to get better with? But you need to know what it is because um, those subjects that were easily offended are opportunities for the devil. Because you, you can be sure that the devil knows what you're easily offended over. He said, let me, let me lead Daryl into this conversation because I know he's easily offended by it. And I know he's going to do something that makes Christ look idiotic. If I can just get him there. What are you easily offended over? So when you are in those conversations, you are ready. You put on the full armor of God so that you can be ready. You can be ready. And we need to be hard to offend because it gives, here's the other thing. It gives people permission to make mistakes. In, our, in their conversation, in their relationship with us, it gives people permission to make mistakes. One of the reasons why conversations over subjects like race and sexuality and gender and politics are so difficult is because we are so easily offended. We're so easily offended. If you say something wrong, even unintentionally, you will be vilified. And that atmosphere, that atmosphere says, don't disagree with me. Don't ask questions. Don't make mistakes. Who wants to be in a relationship like that? When we are easily offended, that's the atmosphere we create. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Make allowance for other people's faults. You know, we ha- I know you have faults, you know I have my, let's make allowances for them. And forgive anyone who offends you. That, that statement's crazy. Forgive them, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When, when I'm being hard to offend, I make allowances for you and your personality and your upbringing and your background and the ignorances and the things, and you do that for me. You do that for me. So, so if I don't use the right transgender pronouns, you make allowances for me. So if when you're talking to me, you don't know if you should use black or African-American or whatever else, then I make allowances for you. If I happen to say something that's completely offensive, then maybe that's something to pause and correct. But we don't, we don't let it totally derail our relationship. We're hard to offend. We're hard to offend. Number three, our difficult, our difficult conversations should be marked by slowness. Don't, don't, don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush to, to respond. Don't be in a rush to execute your judgment. Don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. So I was confessing to some friends a few weeks ago um, that often when I'm in a conversation about something I'm super passionate about, maybe, maybe race or sexuality or gender or politics, I often feel like I'm in a rush. Um, and and I've, I feel all this pressure to communicate all my opinions that I have on this particular subject in that little, whatever, 10 minute conversation. <laughs> gotta get it out, gotta get it out, gotta get it out. <laughs> and of course that's a mistake because I stop listening and I start looking for opportunities to interject what I want to say. I've got to get my opinions out in one sitting. But the Bible teaches this, it says this, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear, 
be a careful, thoughtful listener. Is that, is that, does that describe you in these kinds of conversations? A careful, thoughtful listener. Slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words. And, and the reason why that, that's super important is because our words are so, can be used, words can be so dangerous, can hurt so deeply. And then be slow to anger, patient, reflective, be hard, be hard to offend, forgiving. Be quiet and listen. And silence doesn't mean you agree. We need, we need to remi- you need to remind yourself of this constantly. Silence doesn't mean you agree. We are so afraid of this. Sometimes silence means you're listening. Maybe you're learning. Maybe you're learning. If you're in one of these kinds of conversations and you're, and you're, you're beginning to feel angry, it might be wise for you not to say, say anything the whole, the whole conversation. Say, yeah, mm-hmm. tell me more. But to not share your opinion, that whole conversation. You can meet again. You can say, why don't we get together for lunch? And you can be ready. It's a beautiful thing of faith to set up conversations where you don't have to tell your opinion on something. I'm going to get together with, I'm going to get together with you and I just want to hear what you think about this and I'm not even going to say what I think unless you ask. Because I'm slow to speak. I'm slow to speak. When we get in a rush, one of the reasons why we get in a rush is this. We assume we're right, right? When I assume that I'm right, I'm super quick. I'm like, let's get going. If I'm on my way to somewhere that I already know where it is, I'm, but if I don't know where it is, if I've never been there, then I'm like, oh, okay, let's take it easy. If you assume that you're right, then you, you, you're probably going to move a lot quicker. But we, we have to slow down and listen and think when we might be wrong. Slow down because guess what? You could be wrong. You could be wrong. So I listened to a podcast this week and they, they put it this way. They put it this way. They asked, they asked it as a question. What does it feel like to be wrong? Think about that. What does it feel like to be wrong? Feels embarrassing, Maybe depending on the content. It feels embarrassing. Um, it, it feels humbling. Maybe it feels vulnerable. Those are the things that I came up with when they asked the question and I was listening to it. I was like, you know, vulnerable and humbling and embarrassing. And the speaker on the podcast knew that I was going to come up with that. They knew that's what we we're going to say. And the speaker says, no. She said, no. That's how you feel like when you realize that you're wrong. What does it feel like to be wrong? And then she said this, it's super powerful. It feels a lot like it feels when you think that you're right. What it feels like to be wrong is probably what you, the same thing you feel when you think that you're right. And so what we all have to, if that's the case, if they feel exactly the same, then maybe we should be careful. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. So let me approach this whole thing slower. 
If it feels like, if it feels the same way to be right as it does to be wrong, slow down, slow down, slow down. All right. In just a few minutes, um, I want to invite you to take communion. And I have some specific instructions for our communion today. We're going to do it slightly different. Um, Let me ask you this. What happens um, when you... uh, what happens when you disagree with me? What happens when I say something that you disagree with or you don't like? What happens? Because if we're going to have a relationship over a long period of time, it's going to happen. What happens then? Second question. Can you have a conversation about something that's precious to you without losing it, without walking out, without getting upset, without hurting people. The act of communion is meant to be a reminder of something that transcends the things on earth that distract us so much, that that we elevate to such high, high importance the, the, the communion is, is supposed to bring us back to, to what's most valuable. Uh, communion is supposed to remind us of something that transcends the things on here that we disagree about or things that we do wrong. Religious people often think, you know, if I'm good with God, I'm good, right? If I'm good, but me and you, God, we're good, so I'm good. Now, I, I don't need to pay attention to the relationships of the people around me. Jesus says something different, though. He says this. He says, he says this, I tell you, don't be angry with anyone. Pause. Really? If you were angry and you were going, you were doing a rant and you were talking to me and I said, you know what? Don't be angry with anyone. You would say, shut up. Don't be angry with anyone. And if you are angry with others, you will be judged. And if you want insult someone, this is crazy strong statements. If you insult someone, you will be judged by the high court. And if you call someone a fool, you will be in danger of... What? Jesus, I just, I mean, I just got mad at him. All I know is that he said this. And if it wasn't in the Bible, I'd be like, no, that's not even that big of a deal. So what if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that someone has something against you? Not that, and this is interesting, not that you have something against someone, that someone has something against you. That's mind blowing. Leave your gift there and go and make peace with that person. Then come and offer your gift. So and again, I should just do a quick sidebar. Obviously there are some people Let me say this. As far as it depends on you, make peace. Relationships are two-way street. So I don't want you living in guilt or any of that. 
Jesus seems to say here, don't offer your money, your sacrifice to God while you still need to resolve things in your relationship with your brother or your sister. And although communion is not mentioned here, I think the principle is, 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 is the same principle. Don't come and commune with me pretending everything's okay if you are in a huge fight with, with, with my other children. So, and again, let me say this, and then we're, all, we're probably all on this page. If you're in some kind of huge knockdown, drag out fight, don't invite me to dinner, right? But let me extend that. If you're in some kind of huge and knockdown, drag out fight with one of my kids, don't, you know, hey, there, what's up? Don't, don't pretend that everything's cool. Make things right. Make things right. Then we can move forward. That's what God is saying. That's what God is saying. Make things right. As far as it depends on you, you make things right. If you can't love your brother or sister who you have seen, how can you love God who you cannot see? So today as we take, prepare to take communion together, we're going to practice something that our church family has practiced before called palms up, palms down, prayer, meditation. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you a chance to pray on your own. And when you pray, I'm going to ask you to have your palms down. You can sit them on your knees, palms down. And, and during that time, as you pray, I'm going to ask you to lay down or give up anything you have against somebody else to take that, to be willing to take that first step of, of asking the Lord to help you lay that thing down that you're holding against someone, holding your palms down. That will represent the beginning of the process of letting go, being, uh, being willing to move closer toward that peace. And if you can do that, if you can do that, then I want to ask you, Take communion, take the, take, drink the juice, take the wafer, identify with Christ and his death. And then after you do that, I want you to turn your palms up, facing up. And this is going to represent your willingness to receive from God his peace, his discipline, his instructions, whatever he needs to give, whatever he needs to give. And during this time, um, <clears throat> The Lord may, maybe may ask you to initiate conversations with some people. Maybe initiate a conversation with me. Maybe I need to initiate a conversation with you. During this time, be open to that. And be willing to be courageous enough to do what you've been asked to do by the Lord. If you need to do that. What will, and then we'll, I'll come back up and we'll end our service that way. We'll end that service that way. So begin with palms down. Laying, laying down whoever you need to, anything you need to let go or someone you need to forgive, take communion and then receive from the Lord instructions, discipline, peace, whatever he needs to give. Let me pray as we go into this time of communion. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.